Hi, I'm Callie Miller. Growing up in an alcoholic home requires us to tell lies to ourselves and to others. And I've learned over the years that these lies can become toxic, that these secrets can literally make us sick, that what we never look at can never be healed, and that telling our stories and saying out loud what has happened to us can open the door to our healing. That's why I created this podcast, This Space, so we can have a safe place to share our stories. You are not alone, and this is the Change of Air podcast. Do you ever get triggered? (laughs) If you are like me, and if you've listened to the very first podcast episode, you know that me being triggered so frequently in life for seemingly innocuous things over and over again, kind of acting strangely in certain situations that I knew were out of proportion to the actual situation at hand, doing that over and over again and again ultimately made me realize something was going on with me and being triggered that much and seeing other people's reactions to my being triggered made me realize I had something happening with me and it it required me to investigate further. Ultimately, being triggered led me to this work, to figuring out what was going on, to ultimately really getting to the bottom of growing up with alcoholic parents and ultimately getting to a place of starting change of air and all of it. Being triggered that much and starting to become aware of my being triggered is what led me to a path of healing. And I know we can so often feel whether we're triggered driving a car. I have a thing with people going a little slow. It frustrates me when I'm trying to go somewhere. It can be anything. It can be, if you remember the first episode, I had a sort of seminal moment at an Enterprise Rent-A-Car when the very car that I reserved was no longer available when I got there. And to take my trip to go somewhere far away because my car was being repaired, I was given like a seven-passenger van, (laughs) and I was very upset about it, and I let the poor people at Enterprise run a car whose fault it was not. I really let them know, and it was in that moment where I could almost notice myself behaving that way and thought, ah, something's going on with me, and I need to figure out what it is. I could not have imagined that that very action of being triggered so many times would have been kind of my pathway in to learning so much more and studying so much more over the last many, many years, but it was. So if you're like me, and I know that you are, which is why you're listening, you also get triggered, whether it's memories of things that happened when we grew up, whether it's not being listened to by a partner that reminds us of a time when we weren't listened to by our parents, whether it's the mundane getting frustrated while driving or much bigger, complicated frustrations and getting triggered maybe in the workplace where there are competing situations, stress, coworkers that are, are sort of causing stress, you know, the work environments. We can do 10 episodes about work environments and we, we ultimately will. But we've all had that experience of going about our day, thinking we're doing just fine, and then finding that, in fact, some seemingly small thing totally knocks us out of the day we were going to have. Raise your hand if that's you. That's me a lot. 
But what I want to share with you today is what we can do when we're triggered. How do we get out of the triggered state? How do we get back to the drive? How do we get back to the meeting at work? How do we get back to our day and back to our lives without getting so knocked out by something that triggered us that we sort of can't proceed with our day? I've shared a lot of different tools on the podcast so far and in Change of Air and on the site, and you know that I will continue to do that. That's the entire goal of Change of Air is to share different tools with you that might be helpful. And I've been trained in the trauma resiliency model, which was developed by Elaine miller Karras. And the beautiful thing about the model is it really helps you realize, you know, I, th- I think we can get triggered and not know how to get back to center, if you will, a very meditation yoga term. And then we can feel a lot of shame about that, right? So it's not just that we got triggered and got bumped out of our zone, bumped out of our day, just driving to the store and then something happened in the car and then we're really wrecked. Not only does that happen and we need a way to kind of come back to center, but we can then feel a lot of shame about why did I let that happen? What's wrong with me that that happened to me? How come I can't react like other people, quote unquote, normally when these things happen, right? We then start to ascribe all of this meaning, always negative. I've, I've never had a positive like, wow, I'm so proud of myself that I got really upset at that random driver driving slow in front of me. We can then ascribe so much negative thought to the fact that we got triggered. And that brings up an entire different set of, of shame and, and all of that kind of stuff. What I love about the trauma resiliency model and why I want to share it with you today is because it helped me understand that getting quote unquote bumped out of our zone, which I'll walk you through that either is an actual zone I'll walk you through, isn't anything to be ashamed of. It's part of our biological makeup. There's no shame to be attached to it. It's a physical response and we can notice that physical response and have a different and use different tools to regulate that physical response. And just the very idea that I could notice the thing that's happening, attach no shame to it, and then try to figure that out in the moment and come back down and get it back in my car and go on my way or get back into that meeting or ultimately get to a place where all of this might be happening interior, inside of me while I'm in a meeting and no one knows, but I am internally trying to sort the thing so that I don't get upset when something is said in a meeting that triggers me. So this model has really helped me remove the shame piece of it. I know several of us have talked about the book, The Shame That Binds You, Healing the Shame That Binds, and I'll share the link in the show notes, a phenomenal book as well that helps deal with the shame piece of this. But it was so clear and so easy for me to just be like, ah, this is a physical response. I need not attach additional shame to it. So that's kind of the first piece. This is physical. There's things that happened to us when we were younger, and because of those things, we react to stressful and traumatic situations in a certain way. (laughs) That said, we are so resilient. If you remember the ACEs test in that podcast episode, there is the ACEs test for adverse childhood experiences, but there is also a resiliency test to understand how likely we are to be able to be resilient to manage our feelings, to manage our physical sensations when we're triggered by something and then do something about it. And that we are truly resilient people. 
and that we do have tools. So I wanted to kind of share this tool with you because it's a biological reaction, not a, I'm a bad person, how come I couldn't handle that reaction? That for me was 50% of it, that I didn't have to attach the shame to it. So there's that piece of it. What I wanted to kind of talk about is the zone itself. So in the trauma resiliency model, not a surprise, there's that word again, resilient, there is a resilient zone. Think of it like a road in front of you or a zone if you take your hands and, and just sort of put one on top of the other with a little space in between. There's a zone and we all have a zone, a resiliency zone where we feel our best. We might get a little annoyed throughout the day. We might get happy throughout the day, but it's kind of like a wave, a little bit of up, a little bit of down, little bit of up, little bit of down. We are essentially our best selves. We are feeling good. We are not getting triggered by traffic or the van not being an enterprise rental car when we wanted it to be. We're kind of just in our zone, our resilient zone. Good things can happen, bad things can happen, but we're kind of in our sweet spot. We can show up as our best selves in relationships. We're, we're, our, we're good partners, we're great parents, we're great friends, great leaders, great coworkers when we're in our zone. And I know probably hearing this, you're like, oh yes, I, I know what it's like to be in my zone. So that's kind of the resilient zone. This is our best selves. And what can happen when the seven passenger van is the only car left at Enterprise Rent-A-Car is you can get triggered out of your zone. You could be bumped out. And what I think is so important to think about, and all of us are different, and I'm gonna share with you my personal uh, approach to this. We can all get bumped out of our zone by different things that happen throughout a day. And you could be bumped high or you can be bumped low. Bumping high is edgy, angry, irritable, not happy with enterprise rent-a-car, really not happy with a slow car in front of you. Hypervigilance. I know we've talked about a lot on in the community about hypervigilance, particularly around COVID. All of that is considered bumping high. Angry, irritable, strong, strong reactions. You can also bump low. You can numb out, feel tired, disconnected, fuzzy, very low energy. As you might expect from listening to any of these episodes, I bump high. When I get bumped out, I bump high. Um, anger is my first response. I think I have a lot of quotes that have done very well on Instagram about anger for a reason. And it shocked me to have that much anger. Again, I started describing shame to it, but that's how I go. And we all go different ways. Some of us will naturally bump high and some of us will naturally bump low. That by itself is extremely important to understand. When I first learned about this model, it helped me understand my relationship immediately. My partner bumps low. I bump high. What I need to do to get back into my zone and what he needs to do to get back into his zone are two totally different things. It was such an aha moment for us to realize, ah, of course, when I'm edgy and angry and frustrated, I don't want to listen to music or have loud sounds or do a lot of activity. But when he needs to get back into his zone, because he's coming from a place of disconnection, of lethargy, of being kind of numbed out, he needs activity, music, movement to kind of bump him back up. It was such a revelation because it made us realize, oh, the very thing I personally need to get back into my zone 
silence, meditation, quiet, peace. He needs the opposite. And it was such a brilliant thing to realize that it's not personal. He's not disrespecting my need for quiet. And I am not disrespecting his need for music and activity. We're just wired differently. It's not personal. It's not disrespectful. And obviously as adult children of alcoholics, we have certainly spent a lot of time being disrespected and not listened to. So my first go-to reaction is always, ugh, he's not listening to me. But in fact, he's just doing what his biology needs to get back into feeling better. And I am the same. I just need something totally different to feel better and get back into my zone. So that's been, you know, aside from what I'll walk you through today in terms of dealing with your own stuff, it's been extremely helpful in helping me understand my relationship to others. And I notice myself sort of being like, huh, I wonder if they bump low or high. It's like a thought that's in my head all the time. So I'll share the graphics with you so you can have the visual of this because I think it's so important. This will all be in the show notes. But think about your zone and know that you can bump high or low. And some people do both. Some people bump high and low. Very common. So if you think about that as you're listening to this, ask yourself what is your, you probably already know as I've been talking through this, where do you bump? Do you bump high or do you bump low? What's your sort of natural tendency when you get triggered? Is it anger? Is it frustration? Is it total disconnection, really low energy, lethargic, kind of want to take a nap? Those are the options. Where do you fit? Would love to know. Would love for you to share. I'm going to have a, going to do something special after this and have kind of a live discussion about this, but I'll share that in a little bit. So that's the zone and you can bump high or low. Here's the thing. And I know you've experienced this, especially now if you've decided like, yes, I typically bump higher, I typically bump low, we can get stuck. So when I was at Enterprise Rent-A-Car and the car wasn't there, I was really triggered and I was bumped all the way out, super high, anger on level 10. And I stayed there for a good amount of time. This was many years ago, so I don't remember what time of day it was, but I do know that my entire day was wrecked because of that. I think it happened at like noon or something. Whatever I had planned that day did not happen. And I spent hours being totally high, totally out of my zone, level 10 anger. And it wasn't just kind of an emotional thought process. It was a physical reaction in my body. I could not get out of it. I was stuck. And we can stay stuck for hours, for days, weeks, months, years. We can stay so far out of our best zone where we feel our best selves that actually over time, being in our best zone and feeling our best selves is what feels uncomfortable. I think the way we grew up, think of us as children. I probably spent years bumped out of my zone. And we know the effects of high cortisol levels and inflammation and stress on our bodies, right? As we've talked about the ACEs test and all of the things that might happen to us physically, all of the health conditions we might have as a result of being in such high, high, high stress or low, 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 um, being bumped really low. For me, I know that I spent a good chunk of my childhood bumped way out of my zone, hypervigilant, overconcerned, constantly monitoring, fearful, angry all the time. So that's the zone, and that's bumping high or bumping low. And now we know, as I'm sure you've experienced, you can get stuck there. And so how do we, as humans who are trying to heal from everything that happened when we grew up, how can we not get stuck there? And how, how might I, well, we're going to use, we're going to 
beat this enterprise uh, rent-a-car uh, model to, to the end of it. We're going to use this example for everything. How could I, instead of losing my shit at the poor person who had nothing to do with what was happening, how could I, in that moment perhaps, come back into my resilient zone real time or at bare minimum, maybe make a scene, then leave and then get my act together later? How might we do that? And I wanted to share this with you. There's many, many parts and steps, and I'm going to share all of them with you over the series, over the course of many episodes. But I wanted to just give you like the basic tools because I have found this to be so incredibly helpful in my daily life so that I can get back to my life and get back to my resilient zone much, much, much faster than I had been right? I I don't lose a day anymore. I don't lose an hour anymore. Sometimes something big happens and it takes me longer. Um, That's what meditation is useful for. That's what tapping is useful for. So many of the tools that I've shared with you that are mind-body practices are ultimately about this, about different ways to get you back into your zone. So I'm going to share one with you today that I think will be extremely helpful. We've established a zone There's a great place to be where we're sort of in it and we feel good. We can be bumped high or bumped low and we can get stuck. So how do we get unstuck? This is the key. So I want to talk to you about tracking. Tracking is a skill that helps us increase our ability to get back into our zone. And as you might guess, tracking is all about understanding the differences between sensations of distress and well-being in our bodies so that we can pay attention to what's going on in our bodies so that we can understand the difference between I am really out of my zone and stressed what is happening with me and oh this feels much better I'm back in my zone and so tracking is really paying attention to what's going on in your body if you've been through therapy I my therapist whom I've talked about many times Uh, works with internal family systems, but she also works with this trauma model, which is what interested me in this trauma model after working with her for years. Um, I wanted to be trained in the same model. So it's about bringing balance back into your body, getting back into your zone, but it's about being aware of what's going on in your body. So if you think about tapping, meditation, yoga, all of my resistance to some of those things initially, if you've listened to previous episodes, is ultimately about this, this awareness of what's going on in our bodies. So if you don't mind, I want to ask you to just think about, obviously, I hope you're listening to this podcast in a not stressful situation. I hope no one's driving in front of you and driving you nuts um, while, while you're listening. But when you find yourself in a really triggered moment and you're either high or low and you're out of your zone, think to yourself, what is happening inside my body? What am I feeling Am I breathing faster? Is my heart racing? What does that feel? Is that a pleasant thing? Is that an unpleasant thing? Is that a neutral thing? Am I hot? Am I cold? Am I shaking? I can think of right back to that day at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. My heart was racing. I think my hands were shaking. My voice was shaking. Internally, I felt hot. And my, my heart was racing. I just remember my heart racing and standing there thinking, like, this doesn't seem right. I'm so angry at this poor person. So being able to, in that moment, recognize, now that I know all of this, here's what I think I could have done. 
I could have gotten there. I could have been told, we don't have your car, which again, I know sounds so simple, but it was obviously after a string of not being listened to that day and so much going on in my personal life and so much in my personal life, triggering things that happened as a kid, I got really triggered. And now I realize what I could have done is stopped in that moment and said, hey, I just need a couple minutes. Can I use your bathroom? Anything. I could have tried to do it even there, but I, I realize now I could have just taken a few moments to be like, whoa, what's going on with me? I notice my heart's racing. I notice that my hands are shaking. I'm, I'm clammy. I'm feeling hot all over my body. My, my heart, chest is pounding. My heart is pounding out of my chest. Just the very act of noticing that that's happening is really important because you can immediately start to go, ah, okay, I understand. I have sensations. I am present in my body. This is what's happening. And I can then start to can then start to get in touch with what's currently happening with me. And I will say, and this is exactly why yoga or meditation or some of the other tools can at first feel really bizarre. For some people, it's really uncomfortable at first to even pay attention to what is happening internally. Certainly growing up, we we essentially survived by not paying attention to what was happening internally. So the very idea of like, you know, pausing for a minute at Enterprise Rent-A-Car or in a meeting at work to say, hmm, what's going on with me? What am I feeling inside? What are the physical sensations? The very idea of getting in touch with those can feel really weird. Totally get it. So if that feels weird to you, I understand. Um, but I think when we remember again, as I opened this episode, this is a physical thing that's happening to us. And the fact that it's physical helped me really so much shame about it that allowed me to just be like, okay, I'm going to focus on the physical, what physically is happening with me. I'm going to remove all self-judgment, all shame, just what's happening with me. Check in really quickly. When you're triggered and you're bumped either up or out, you know, high or low in your zone and you want to get back in, start by tracking what is going on with me right now. The next thing that I find extremely helpful and is part of this model is something called resourcing, which essentially means developing a resource. This can be anything, and I highly encourage you to come up with many, many, many resources, but it can be anything, physical thing, a person, uh, a memory, anything that uplifts you, brings you strength, makes you feel peaceful, and it makes you feel calm. Resources can be as simple as a photograph at your desk, a favorite pen, um, but it can also be a place, an event. For me, as you guys know, I love to hike. I love nature. Future episode coming about the healing power of nature. Stay tuned for that. I have a lot of resources that are about taking me mentally to another place, a place that I've been, a place that I can absolutely get myself into very quickly. So I think of a hike in Joshua Tree. You guys often see me share a very specific, I have quite a few little secret spots in Joshua Tree where I go. Uh, no, they're not the famous routes. They're not where everyone hikes. Uh, they're my little nooks and crannies where I can hike and almost be entirely alone. And I often share those videos of my little secret spots with you all. So you guys may have seen these as well. One of my most powerful resources is thinking of one of these spots. I can be bumped out of my zone. 
I can immediately start tracking and say, okay, what's happening with me? What are the physical sensations in my body? Let's not attach emotions to them. Let's just understand physically what's happening. And then I think of a resource and I think of a hike and I put myself back there into one of my spots. What does the air feel like on my skin? Can I hear birds overhead circling? Uh, what is the wind like? Is, it, is, there a, is the creosote, are those bushes in bloom? And can I smell that on the wind? What is the crunching of the sand sound like under my boots? What is the warm stone? There's a little perch that I sit on that's like all the warm stone in Joshua Tree. What does that feel like? I immediately kind of try to put myself back there when I get triggered. It need not be, a, your resources may not be big, long, complicated memories, but I bet each of you has at least a couple that you can think right now of a person, uh, a place, a memory, a physical object from a place or a memory that just immediately, as soon as you think about it, brings you peace and happiness and calm. Again, I'll include all of this in the show notes, like the outline of everything, but I encourage you to come up with resources after this episode comes out, we're going to spend a whole week talking about these so that you can develop your own. It's so important to know what they are so that you can kind of have them at the ready anytime. Had I known about this when I, all those years ago, was an enterprise rent-a-car and very upset, I could have stopped, tracked what was going on in my body, and then thought immediately of a resource. So I encourage you to think of those resources for you. That would have been really helpful for me. And I've noticed, this is a process I now use every time I'm in any way bumped out of my zone, I immediately kind of go into like, okay, what's going on with me? What is my resource? And then I want to introduce you to one additional thing. It's called grounding. And grounding is essentially what happens at the beginning of a meditation class. It is often what happens at the beginning of a yoga class, uh, breath work, certainly before and after. It's simply the idea of grounding your body directly to essentially the ground. So becoming very aware of your body and your position. So for example, at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, I was standing. It would have been a really good idea for me to notice what was going on with my body, think of a resource that brings me calm, and then maybe go sit down for a minute. And closing my eyes or not, we've talked about closing eyes in, in the meditation and the, the mind-body practices episode. Sometimes closing our eyes, if we've been through trauma, can actually be very scary. Um, so only if you're comfortable Certainly at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, I probably wouldn't have sat down and closed my eyes, but I might have said, hey, I just need to sit down for a minute, pretend I'm using my phone, who knows. But the idea of grounding is to kind of sit down if you can, maybe stand with your back against the wall if you cannot. Maybe I, maybe there wasn't a chair. Becoming very clear. So we first noticed sensations in our body and then thought of a, a, a thing that makes us, a resource that makes us feel calm and peace. Grounding is then like, okay, where am I right now? Can I push my hand against a wall and notice it? As I'm seated in my chair, do I notice my back against the chair, my feet on the floor, my thighs on the back, in the backs of my thighs on the chair, and noticing those connection points. My hand, I'm, as I'm talking to you now, my, I have a marble desktop. So my hands are pressing on that marble desktop and it's cold. It's nice and cool. I do a lot of Zoom calls for work. And I absolutely notice when I'm getting a little bumped out of my zone on a work calls, one of my go-to grounding exercises is putting my hands on my desk. No one can see it. And that just that cooling sensation, as well as me being very aware of what's happening to my body and being physically here, 
has made a huge difference in kind of regulating myself so I don't get bumped out of my zone. And for me, I tend to run hot. Obviously, I tend to bump high (laughs) into anger out of my zone. So placing my hands on something cool is actually quite a pleasant sensation. So the goal of grounding is to be very clear on where you are, right? To start to get in touch with hand on desk, back on chair, feet on ground. But the other piece of it is to then just scan for the the pleasant sensations or neutral, need not be positive, wonderful sensations. But can we shift our attention to places where our feet are connecting to the ground, our hands are connecting to my cold desk, our back is against a chair, and it feels, huh, decent, not heart racing, not very angry at person who didn't have the car that I you know, reserved in advance. Those three things, understanding the zone first and foremost, and knowing you can bump high or low, and knowing you can get stuck, and then knowing what to do about it. How can I, in this stuck moment where I'm clearly bumped out of my zone, how do I get back into it to notice what's going on physically in your body, to track, think of a resource. For me, that is often, as I said, a hike. I immediately try to put myself back there, but it can be anything. It can be a, a beloved human, a beloved pet. Tricky part with resources. I have, as I think I've shared with you all, I had three lovely, lovely dogs. They all lived very long lives, but they all passed one after the other in the past three years. Um, my recent, my lovely little pit bull Stella passed uh, in October during COVID. And she was a resource for me. So sometimes it can be tricky when your resource that makes you feel calm and wonderful then makes you feel really sad. So a warning, <laughs> a warning there on resources. But she was obviously, she lived a wonderful life and was a wonderful resource for me for a long time. So that's kind of the the package that I wanted to share with you. Essentially, the very idea of a zone and that we have a resilient zone where we're our optimal best selves and that we can get bumped out high or low at any time and that it's not personal. And then when you are bumped out, how do you get back in so that you can go on with your day so that you can not have a thing that triggered you from 20 years ago wreck your day, derail you, wreck your week, wreck your month? We can get stuck when we bump out. So pausing and realizing, okay, I'm going to track what's going on with me right now. What am I, what are the physical sensations? Not what is my emotional response to this, but physically what's happening with me? Is my heart pounding? Do I feel hot? Are my hands sweaty? Do I have tears in my eyes? What's happening? Thinking of a resource for me, as you know, it's a beautiful hike. And then grounding. Can I shift this feeling of, out of my zone to cold hands on desk, back on chair, feet on ground? Can I find a kind of neutral or pleasant contact, hand pressing against a wall maybe? Those three things are not foolproof. And there should be no shame attached to like doing this and then being like, oh, it didn't work. I'm, I'm still way out of my zone. I suspect you'll come back in a little bit more, closer to your zone, maybe not be bumped as high or bumped as low. These tools have been extremely helpful for me. Like I think of my zone all the time, every day. And as I mentioned earlier, I've started to also notice, you know, you hear that Instagram quote all the time, like you never know what people, be kind to everyone. You don't know what people are going through and and what they're surviving, what they're just kind of trying to get through, how they're just trying to get through the day. So be kind to everyone. I've really noticed 
once I learned this model and how it works and I learned about the zone and how I could be bumped high or low, I sort of see everyone that I meet, certainly all the people in my life that I interact with through my work, through my, you know, my personal life, through family members, family members who you maybe don't have contact with anymore because it's not safe and you've had to set some boundaries. It has been extremely helpful for me not only to learn how to get back into my own resilient zone, but I can very clearly see when someone else is bumped out of theirs. And it has given me so much more compassion for seeing, ah, I think she's bumped really high right now. Or I, I see he's bumped quite low. As I mentioned, my partner bumps low. When he's out of his zone, he goes low. What an incredible thing for us to realize that the very things he needs to get back to his zone and feel good are the very are the very opposite things of what I need. And so we it's given us a whole new language that's not charged with emotions. It's not personal. It's not uh, on purpose to hurt anybody. It's just how we're made. And then if you think about that and you think about the alcoholics in your life, whether they're in your life now or when if it was just when you were children, you realize that often when people are bumped out of their zones, they self-medicate to try to get back in. Whew, a little emotional there. That's when people drink, right? Because they're bumped out and they're drinking to get back in. And it doesn't make our childhoods any easier knowing that, but it does it has helped me have such compassion and understanding for what they might have been experiencing and the tools that, that you know, they, they didn't know about the zone and they didn't know to track what's going on in their bodies, think of a happy resource, do some grounding exercises. They didn't have those tools. And so maybe the tool that they had was alcohol to get back into their zone unconsciously. They didn't know there was a zone. They didn't know they were trying to get back into it. But ultimately, that's how people self-medicate and start, you know, trying to regulate what they're feeling, either to numb out or in the case of several, certainly alcohol is much more about numbing out. But in the case of other addictions, I know several of you listening and following Change of Air have parents who are not alcoholics, but who were addic- have other addictions. And if you think about that, and you think about several future episodes we've talked about will be on money and ACOAs, work and ACOAs. They say, work, you know, children of alcoholics become workaholics. Becoming a workaholic is a regulating thing to get back into his own. So is shopping. So is any drug. All kinds of behaviors can be the behaviors we choose unconsciously to get back into some kind of regulated state. And so I share this with you. One, so you have a great tool. So you can understand your zone. You can start to understand your partner's zones and your friends and your family member's zones. But most importantly, so you can understand your zone and how getting triggered can need that it need not be a sort of day wrecking thing, week wrecking thing, but that you have some really tangible tools to in a moment of being triggered, pause and track what's going on with me. Think of a positive resource. Notice, particularly if you're like I've been using the example of, of being in the car as well as the enterprise rent a car thing. Um, if you're in the car, like noticing your legs, noticing everything, um, feet touching the floor of the car, hand on the shifter, just being present, just those three steps can be so powerful for you. And I wanted you to have those tools, but they can also help us begin to develop a little bit more compassion for every single person we interact with. They're also trying to just get back into their zone. 
And what I need to get back into mine is probably really different than what you need to get back, to back into yours. And that can then be another trigger point, <laughs> right? If we don't know that and aren't aware of that. So I thank you as always for being with me and for listening today. I hope this was helpful. I'm going to share all of the visuals of this resource and this model with you on the, in the resource show notes. There'll be a great blog post about it. And we're going to be talking about it all week together. This I, I really hope will be helpful for you and help kind of shift the way you talk to yourself, shift the negative self-talk and sort of help you release a bit of shame around anytime we're kind of bumped out of our zones. It need not be a shameful thing. It's how we're made. And the beautiful thing is we now have a set of tools to help us regulate and get us, get us back into our resilient zones and get us back into being our best selves. Until next time, thank you so much.